0: So, describe someone who you think has it all, someone who is happy, who lives a life that most other people aspire to live. You might describe them in these terms well, they have money, they're wealthy, they've maximum pleasure and minimum pain, they're popular, they're powerful, they get what they want. Well, that's not what Jesus says about the kind of life that, we, that is blessed, the kind of life that indicates flourishing. No, he says something quite different. In fact, he completely overturns the world's value system in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes that we have just heard. He says that blessed are the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure, the peaceful, and the persecuted. And that if you are in among these groups or this, these attributes describe you, you should rejoice and be glad. So, poor in spirit is another way of saying humble. Think about it this way that when someone is lacking in wealth or power or status, they become more aware of their need for God. We delude ourselves by thinking that we are or can be completely self-sufficient. Even just to survive, we need a hospitable environment. We need others, and we need God. Indeed, we need God to sustain our every breath. The proud are so full of themselves, there is no room in them left for God's grace. But the humble become vessels of divine life. And so St. Paul in our second reading, he's writing to the Corinthians. He said, God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing. The mourning. Yeah, we have things, personal tragedies, difficulties we face that cause us sadness, but the kind of mourning that is blessed is beyond that. It is mourning over sin, our sins, the sin of the world, And the suffering that comes about as a consequence of that. So Jesus could weep for Jerusalem because he knew the hardness of the people's heart would cause great suffering for them. Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus because death was one of the consequences of human rebellion against God. I really like the country singer Johnny Cash. And one of the things I have in common with him is that he would wear black all the time. And I wear black all the time, except at liturgy, right? I've covered up my black. And he actually wrote a song about why he wore black. And basically, it's because he is mourning with those who are suffering. He even has a line in there. He says, I wear the black for those who never read or listen to the words that Jesus said. He's sad that not more people have heard about Jesus and know Jesus. Near the end, he sings, he said, I love to wear a rainbow every day and tell the world that everything's okay. But I'll try to carry off a little darkness on my back till things are brighter I'm the man in black. Blessed are the meek. Now, we don't really, unfortunately, understand meekness in its original sense. It doesn't mean weakness, actually. It means a gentleness and composure in the face of provocation. So one of the great examples of meekness is this. Imagine a, um, some kind of athletic contest and an athlete on one side begins to taunt and ridicule another athlete, right? So the natural reaction is to, is to insult back or even to punch them, right? Or, or, or you lose your cool. And what happens usually in a contest, you end up getting some kind of penalty, right, for doing that. It doesn't actually help your team. So meekness would be, this person is provoking you, but instead of getting off your game, you become more focused on what your purpose is and your mission is, and you play better, That's how you get back at them, right? Scripture says, St. James says, For the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And Jesus says, Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have lots of desires. We are bundles of desires. We spend so much of our time, of our resources, trying to satisfy our desires. And even when we do, we're usually disappointed because there's still more that we could have or it doesn't really satisfy us. A bigger house, a nicer car, a better looking or more compatible romantic partner, these never completely satisfy us. But what if we desired what God desires, which is righteousness and holiness? This is a worthy longing to be like God and to be like the saints. Blessed are the merciful, so the crown virtue of holiness is love, and mercy is love's response to suffering. Jesus had compassion and gave of himself to feed and heal bodies and souls. The great Catholic writer Flannery O'Connor suffered painful and debilitating effects from lupus. She once wrote this, You'll have found Christ when you are concerned with other people's suffering and not your own. Blessed are the pure of heart. Now this is a reference to the interiority of of virtue. About having a heart that is aligned with God's will. That is not unduly attached to other things. Whether it be in lust or greed or other things. And really it has to do with uh, the opposite of this. uh, Is to be a hypocrite. To be pretending or faking or wanting to appear good, but really on the inside, again, having all of these disordered um, goals and ambitions and desires. And so Jesus wants us to be clean from the inside. And when we are at peace with God and within ourselves, we can be instruments of peace. That's blessed are the peacemakers. In our families, in our places of work, in our communities, peace in its fullness is harmony. And we will help enemies to be reconciled by seeing things from beyond their narrow perspective. Blessed are the persecuted. So even when we're gentle and loving with others, sometimes they will continue to seek our harm, especially when they are in rebellion against God. That's precisely what happened to Jesus. That's what happened to many of the saints, the martyrs throughout the centuries. Jesus tells us in the face of persecution not to lose heart because we have a great reward waiting for us in heaven. Now, the blessings of the Beatitudes begin in this life. When, we, when, when what Jesus describes there describes us, more or less, we do experience the joy of the Lord, true friendships, and a supernatural ability to endure deprivation and suffering. But the fulfillment of those blessings comes in the future. When our happiness will be perfect. When God will more than make up for what we suffered for on this earth. What other people think we're missing out on. God will more than make up for it. For Jesus says of those that they will possess the kingdom. Inherit the land. They will be satisfied. They will receive mercy. They will see God. One time I was celebrating a wedding and it was the Beatitudes was the gospel. And as I read the gospel, blessed are the pure of heart, they shall see God. The four-year-old nephew of the groom yelled out, I see God. (laughs) They will see God and they will be called children of God. They will be greatly rewarded. In the 1980s, social science researchers, H. Wesley Perkins and Alan Berkowitz, put forth a theory that they called social norming. It's kind of common sense, but they actually studied it. And what they said is this, that people form their ethical views based on their perception of what other people are doing. And that they change both their norms, what they consider acceptable and unacceptable, and their behavior when they have perceived that other people's Uh, behaviors have changed. But as our grandpas used to tell us, so if your friend jumps off a bridge, does that mean you should too? (laughs) But this is a powerful, powerful thing. This social norming. And so in the first reading, Zephaniah speaks about how God will leave a humble remnant. Now a remnant is a small group. It's a minority. It's not The norm. It's exceptional, the remnant. That God will leave a humble remnant who will seek justice and take their refuge in the Lord. And so we have to see ourselves not not, uh, matching the norm of our society, but rather matching what Jesus describes in the Beatitudes instead. And encouraging each other in that. And being willing, it takes courage to be outside the norm. A courage to live a radically different way of life. It was on a mountain that God, through Moses, gave Israelites the Ten Commandments. And here on a mountain, Jesus is giving them the Beatitudes. The Ten Commandments are always important. They have, uh, they're binding on all people and of all times. But they are merely a moral floor. They're a minimum. And the Beatitudes are going beyond that. They are a goal for us to strive for. We cannot do it on our own power, but God does give us grace to live the Beatitudes. We have to not resist this grace, but welcome it and work with it. Then we will be like Christ and experience true and lasting happiness. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven.